This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. This episode is brought to you by Lola V. Lola V is an award-winning hair care line by none other than Jennifer Aniston. They offer clean, plant-powered products for every hair type and texture. I just did my whole hair care routine with all the products the other night, and I am obsessed. Along with incredible shampoo and conditioner, they have an intensive repair treatment that you can use once a week. They also have a lightweight hair oil. There's a leave-in treatment, and there's also a glossing detangling which I need because lately I want to do my hair in like a slicked back look, but my hair is too frizzy. Get 15% off Lola V with the code MOMROOM at www.lolav.com slash MOMROOM and Lola V is L-O-L-A-V-I-E. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to The Mom Room. Today, I am speaking with someone that you all probably follow on Instagram. Her name is Caitlin Murray, and she is better known as Big Time Adulting. What we did was a pod swap. So if you are in the podcasting industry or world, you will know that that means I went on her podcast, which is also called Big Time Adulting, and she came on The Mom Room. So you got two beautiful episodes to listen to with us just chit-chatting. There has been an unfortunate turn of events in my life. My sinus infection came back, WTF. It was really, really, I thought it was gone when I was taking antibiotics. And then I stopped taking antibiotics for a few days because I was done. And then it came back and I am so irritated. Usually what I would do is I just like suffer throughout the day, but then to sleep, I use the decongestion spray in my nose. I can't take an oral decongestion pill because it keeps me wide awake all night for like 24 hours. I cannot sleep. So now that the pharmacist told me about the rebound effects thing and how even using it for like five to 10 days in a row, even just before bed, like not using it consistently throughout the day, it can cause these rebound effects, which means you're the inside of your nose is basically like swollen and all inflamed. It terrifies me now to use the decongestion spray. So last night I barely slept. I was up multiple times in the night with like a dry mouth, a super plugged nose. And I was talking to my doctor saying, how do I know if this is the rebound effect or not? Because if it was the rebound effect from using the decongestion spray, I don't think I would have like dark yellow, greenish mucus coming out of my nose in the mornings when I did a sinus rinse, okay? I like to just share everything with you guys. So sorry if you're eating a meal right now. Yeah. Somebody asked me recently about the daily podcast and where I'm at with that. So I have decided to forego that for now because logistically it just doesn't make sense. I don't know how I would do it. I would have to get up at like five in the morning, record and publish it right away. And I just don't know if I want to do that, especially lately. I feel like I've been sick for so long. So it's just not in the cards right now. But I am starting a new podcast with my sister, and that should be up and running soon. We are just getting the logistics down pat. Like my sister had to get a microphone and set up a place in her house where she can record. So that is coming very soon. And I'm very excited because there's so many things that I want to talk about. And it's going to be super fun. I will give you guys more information about it as we get closer to releasing the first episode. You know, a little bit about like the segments and the kinds of things that we're going to talk about and stuff like that. So anywho, that's all coming up. But for now, you guys get to enjoy this amazing episode with one of my favorite creators, and that is Caitlin Murray. So without further ado, guys, please welcome Caitlin Murray, otherwise known as Big Time Adulting, to the mom room. Your emergency would have happened 
right, right. during all... the podcast. Oh my so, so for everyone that's wondering what we're talking about, Caitlin was running late, which I'm like, sure, like we have kids, like it's a whole thing. Like I just expect that people are going to be running late. And so in my mind, I'm like, okay, perfect. I have like because I got your email at 5 minutes to 10 a.m. So we were going to record at 10 a.m. So in my mind, now I'm like, I have 20 minutes, like a free 20 minutes. So I'm like getting work done. And then I see her email like, okay, I'll be there in five minutes. I'm like, perfect. Like I'm so ready. Like I have all my (laughs) stuff ready to go. (laughs) And then my stomach decided to have an emergency evacuation because I put probably too much Restorolax in my coffee. What the fuck is Restorolax, by the way? It's really like this magical powder. It's like a white powder that it just dissolves in your coffee. It has no flavor, no nothing. And I think it just draws water into your intestines. If you're like someone that suffers with constipation, then it'll help you to go poop. And so I don't really follow the instructions. So I put like the cap full that you're supposed to put. And then I'm always like, I just like shake it. Like I shake more into the coffee and stir it. And that's probably what got me. So I was on the toilet emailing her back being like, yeah, now I'm going to be a little bit late. (laughs) You must feel better now though. I feel so much better. I'm so happy for you, honestly. And by the way, I completely agree. Like if somebody's like, I'm 10 or 15 minutes behind, I'm like, I can always find something to do with those extra minutes. Uh Uh-huh. A hundred percent. One thing I wanted to ask you, and I thought it was just an interesting question. I asked my husband the other day, but First, I want to ask you, like, have you recovered from daylight savings, like the switch? No, not really. My kids are still, like, my little guy is getting up much earlier still, and I don't know when that's going to go back to normal. And nothing seems to matter, and he needs to, like, nap halfway through the day now. He just falls asleep. Okay, so do you know why we do daylight savings? Like, why do we switch our freaking clocks around? Well, I think it goes back to like fucking ancient farmer times where like they needed more light in the day and now it's just ridiculous. Yes. So this is what my husband said. He's like, I'm pretty sure it has to do with farming. And I'm like, yeah, but do we need to do it in 2023 still? It's so dumb. You know, Arizona just doesn't do it. They were like, fuck this. They just, (laughs) yeah, we're not doing it. So like, I don't understand. I don't understand why... We do it. My husband actually, he gets up so early in the morning that he kind of likes the daylight savings because it's not dark out for as long when he's like awake first thing in the morning. And some people have said that to me when I bitch about daylight savings on Instagram and they're like, yeah, but like in like the north, like the northern, northern hemisphere, it's so dark if you don't do daylight savings or something in the mornings. Well, then they can do it. Then they can do it. God, just can't we all just like do what's best for us for God's sake? I know. Because when I want (laughs) to go for a walk, like by the time we get home from school, we have dinner, we like, you know, clean out all the lunch shit, like all that stuff. If you want to go for a walk, it's now pitch black. Pitch black. And you're pretty far north. You're, You're Toronto, right? Yeah. So it's about, it's pretty well dark just after 5 p.m. Yeah. Same, Same for you. Here. Yeah. 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 I think we're, we're like, yeah, we, we have pretty similar like weather and all of that jazz as you guys. We're in New York. Yeah. Okay. Well, the question that I always ask moms that come on the podcast, I always start with the question, what was your transition to motherhood like? So take us back. Like, what do you remember? Was there anything that was completely unexpected? Were you like someone that super overprepared for having kids? Did you feel ready? Like, what was that whole situation? Oh my God, so many things. I just, I think that like, I was completely overprepared in ways that weren't important. Uh Uh-huh. And then... (laughs) very underprepared in the ways that probably were more important, which were just like, I was like, I'm going to be so good at this. (laughs) I was like, I've got big boobs and babies like boobs and they're just going to, my baby's just going to nuzzle into me and we are just going to be 
one with love and peace and nurturing, and it was horrible. And Um, I was, it was my breastfeeding. I hated it. I hated every minute of breastfeeding. Why did you hate it? I'm always curious. At the beginning, it hurt so fucking bad. Like my nipples were cracked and bleeding. And then like, you know, the nurses or whatever would be like, well, he might not be latching correctly and that kind of thing. And I'm like, or I've just never had somebody sucking on my nipples Mm -hmm. 24-7. You know, like it's just part of the like toughening process, if you will, of your nipples, which sounds so scary. (laughs) It's like when you lift weights and you get calluses like on your... Like your summer feet, like when you wear your bare feet outside. It's exactly what it is, really. So that process sucked. And then also just like the lack of sleep was so difficult that I really felt like I was like starting to lose my marbles after like three and a half months of that, you know, just the lack of predictability. I would get super bluesy in the evening every time like I knew the night was upon us. I was like, oh God, I need Yeah, I just, I did not, I, it, w- it was so shocking because I just felt like I thought that I was going to be really good with all of it and it was so much harder than I ever, ever expected. Did you make any changes to, like, did you stop breastfeeding? Did you supplement with formula? Did you, you know... That I really martyred the shit out of myself with. I was just like, I'm going to keep on breastfeeding. Because I really, I will say like for most of my son's, my first child's like baby toddler years, I was very martyry about everything motherhood. Like I had to do things a certain way and all of the stuff that like I really speak up against now on my Instagram page that I was, you know, I was completely like subscribing to Mm. um, with the first baby for a period of time, you know, but no, I didn't, I didn't do things to make it easier for myself or give myself like leniencies because I thought that there was like this sort of prescription of what like good mothers do Mm. and that there would be like sort of stigmas surrounding giving up breastfeeding or, you know, I did sleep train him when he was like 16 weeks or something. I was like, let's go. And How did uh, that go? That was life-changing. He took to it really well. It probably took three nights. Then he was sleeping through the night and then I felt like my sanity started to return. Yeah. I did integrate formula from a pretty early standpoint. I wasn't exclusively breastfeeding because I had to go back to work and my milk supply had diminished and all that jazz. Like being Canadian, I'm always just in shock about the lack of parental leave in the U.S. And it's something that I knew about. Like it was always a thing, you know, like, oh my God, the U.S. doesn't have any like leave. Like, wow. But it never really struck me until I had a baby and went through the whole like postpartum process. And I remember when Milo was really young, like four weeks, six weeks, I would always think like, oh my God, like in the US people would be going back to work and I'm still, you know, bleeding and trying to figure stuff out and not sleeping and all the things. So what was that like for you? When did you go back to work and what was the transition? Yeah. Well, I actually, when I had my first child, I was working full-time in educational advancement. So like doing fundraising at a private school. Mm. And I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to be done. I think I'm going to become a full-time stay-at-home mom. And I told my boss that like, you know, I was going to leave after the baby came and stuff. And she was like, why don't you just try part-time and see how that goes for you. You might be surprised, you know, and I'm so grateful that she did that for me because, you know, I I know I was really lucky to get offered to go to part-time. That felt like something I could kind of wrap my head around, but I went back at 12 weeks, which the baby was not sleeping through the night. I was, I had had a C-section, which was really painful. Also, Mm. that was part of like the surprise of everything. You know, you are physically feeling a lot better by 12 weeks from 
birth recovery, but then six weeks was unpaid. So it was like a six weeks paid leave and you can take 12. So I took the extra six weeks of unpaid leave. Yes, I was like tired and discombobulated leaving for work in the mornings. And I can't imagine having to, and I was commuting into New York City from the suburbs and I can't imagine having to do that five days a week. Yeah. Like I was doing that three days a week at that point, but if I had if I had no other choice and I had to be back at my job, like it would have been fucking awful. Mm-hmm. And what was your childcare situation like? I had a nanny who came the days that I went into the city, so she would so. Actually, like those days were so awesome for me because I was like, I'm awake and I'm leaving and my nanny's going to take care of the baby for me all day today. That was just like, it felt like a vacation day because I really did not enjoy those long days at home alone with a baby. So, so boring. This episode is brought to you by Magic Spoon. You guys know I have been very intentional with what we've been eating lately. I'm looking at protein, I'm looking at sugar content, and avoiding things like artificial ingredients or colorings. Milo used to always want pancakes or waffles in the mornings, and now he is getting into cereal, and I'm so excited because Magic Spoon is the perfect option. Their variety pack has four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. They have zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and only four to five grams of carbs per serving. They're made with wholesome ingredients, no artificial flavors or dyes, and I'm just so happy that he's getting a good amount of protein before he goes off to school. And it's a great snack for me and my husband too, because 13 to 14 grams of protein in the cereal, now you add a high protein milk, you're set. That is such a high protein snack or meal. I should also mention that it is gluten-free, grain-free, and soy-free. So go to magicspoon.com slash momroom to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code momroom at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. So try a delicious bowl of Magic Spoon cereal today at magicspoon.com slash momroom and use the code momroom to save $5. Thank you, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this episode. This episode is brought to you by Little Spoon. It is 2024. As busy parents, it's hard to completely overhaul our lives, but what we can do is make small changes that will make our lives easier. And that is where Little Spoon comes in. Their goal is to make keeping your kid healthy feel like the easiest part of your day so that you can cut through all the drama of mealtime. Little Spoon offers baby blends, biteables, and plates. So baby blends is fresh, organic baby food. They have single ingredients, but also multi-textured purees to take the stress out of starting solids. Biteables make the transition to finger foods easy because they are cut perfectly to size, which promotes self-feeding. And of course, all the Biteables are healthy, balanced, and free of artificial junk. And then there are plates for your toddlers and your bigger kids. They are meals that are free of all the bad stuff. They taste amazing. Even the pickiest eaters will love them. They have things like hidden veggie mac and cheese, chicken nuggets, and adventurous things like pot stickers, gnocchi, and more. Little Spoon also has smoothies and build-it-yourself lunches. Did I mention it all comes right to your door? It is super flexible, so easy, and everything stores right in the fridge and freezer. You can pick up the menu and change up what you order every single time. The price is right. The quality is unmatched. You and your kids will love it. It's a huge win-win for your family. Simplify your kids' mealtime with 30% off your first order. Go to littlespoon.com slash momroom and enter our code momroom at checkout to get 30% off your first Little Spoon order. So what has been your favorite stage of parenting thus far? Because I always find it interesting that some people are like, I love the newborn stage. I love the toddler, like young, like one, two, three years old stage. I'm always like, I wish someone would develop like a personality test or like some kind of like structured test to see 
why do some people enjoy different phases that some people completely dislike? Like I enjoyed the newborn phase, totally disliked the when he started crawling to about three and a half, four years old. Like once they become a little bit more independent and yet people are always like horrified to hear that. And because yeah, that age is super cute. And like there were so many cute moments and it's adorable. I look back on videos now and I'm like, oh my God, like he was the cutest little thing. But it was the most difficult stage for me. And I did not enjoy like the playing and the constantly having to watch over him so he's not hurting himself. I found that to be exhausting. So what was your experience with those stages and what's your favorite so far? Yeah, I completely concur with you, although I will lump into the fact that I do not, I also do not like the newborn phase. So pretty much zero to three and a half or four (laughs) fucking sucked for me. (laughs) And I have three kids. So my oldest is just turned 10 and I would just say it gets better every day. So you're loving 10? I love, yes. I love, I mean, like, cause now he's like able to, you know, grasp some more sophisticated concepts. Like we can really talk about some certain things and, and then like they get your humor and stuff more. It's just, there's so many more shared moments that I just find like the more they grow, the more sophisticated they come, the more I love being with them. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, you fucking entertain me for once. Okay. I've been doing this. For you guys since the day you've been born, goo goo gaga, peekaboo, dance in the kitchen, blah, blah, blah. Like, come on, tell me a joke. Yeah. It's your turn. Entertain me. Yeah, Yeah. totally. So saying that you, like, it was a struggle from zero to, let's say, four, having your next two children, were you kind of like, oh, fuck, like, we're going to have to go through this again? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Every time. Okay. I was just like... And what's this, the age spacing between your kids? So my oldest is 10. My middle is about to turn eight. They're both November kids. And my little guy is four. Okay. He's May. So yeah, like two years and then three and a half years between number two and three. Okay. And so you were just like, we're going to do it again. And at least now you're out with all three. They're past that. Yeah, it's over. I'm done. Yeah, yeah, it happened. Congratulations. I always, thank you. <laughs> I always, always wanted three kids. Like I knew I was going to definitely have two. And then to get to three was like a massive challenge for all kinds of reasons for our family. My son was sick. He was in treatment. My oldest was in treatment for leukemia when I got pregnant with our third. Wow. And yeah, my daughter was one when he was diagnosed and then... I was like, can I do this? Can I have a third? I just really want one. I just, I'm one of two and I just like, I felt like I just always wanted to see that dynamic. I always wanted to have three kids and I do truly feel like my third child, it was like, it nearly broke me. It was very hard in the beginning, the first three years especially. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And, but now I like, I look at that kid and I'm like, Oh God, I'm just, you are my greatest accomplishment to have gotten to you, to get you. Mm-hmm. And just not because like he's, you know, like so amazing or he's a great, I he's amazing to me and stuff, but he's like my kid, you know, but it's just, I mean, for me, I'm like, I accomplished getting to this kind of goal that I always wanted in life and it happened. How would you say your oldest son being diagnosed with leukemia, going through the treatment process, like what was that entire process like and how would you say it changed you as a person, as a mom, or just in general as a person? Yeah, it changed me in so many ways and mostly for the better. I mean, there are, I think there, it has made me a more anxious person. Mm. So that would be like a negative outcome of it for me, but. Like specifically health anxiety? Health anxiety. mm. Yeah. Through the roof and not necessarily like related to him all the time. It's just like, it can be related to me. However, I've 
I've really come around on that. I think I've really started to like coach myself into realizing like this feeling is anxiety. This is not like a sign. I'm not predicting the future here. But I had a lot of conviction about my son's diagnosis and I was the one who really pushed him to get the blood work. And when doc- when I was being told by a couple of doctors that he was probably fine and just had a flu and stuff. So oh, really? I had to really advocate for him to get that blood work because I was just like, he is not okay. And so I think that happening and me like following that instinct and being right about it also like contributes to my angst a little like I have to go after everything or like solve every little mystery. But yeah, it was as as you could imagine like an awful experience to have to go through as a parent, as a young mom. You know, it's not what I had envisioned my little 3-year-old's childhood to look like. He was in treatment for over 3 years and then we went right into the pandemic from ending treatment. He ended in March 2020 and the pandemic started. So it was a tough go. Like a lot of things that were happening that were completely outside of my control. It just, it it changed me in in ways that I think were also for the better though, because I think that I I, beca- I gained a lot of conviction in my own like judgment and gut for the ways that I am as a mother and also that I also just don't really care what anyone thinks when it comes to what I feel like I want to say about Mm. motherhood. So I trust myself more. What did treatment look like? Like I'm sure a lot of people listening are familiar, you know, with somebody in their life that has gone through treatment. What did it look like for your family? Was it something that was super involved? Like, were you constantly having to travel? Did it kind of take over your life? Because I would imagine that it kind of affected the whole like family dynamic. Like that was, like, I know for me, like that would take over my train of thought and I would be so focused on trying to do everything possible. Did you find that that happened? Yeah, it was really like that. I mean, it was, I think upon his diagnosis, one of the biggest shocks to me at that time was how long this treatment process was going to take. And I remember our doctor telling us in the hospital room, like the day he was diagnosed, like this is just, this is going to be a long haul and you, you have to be vigilant and I I never forgot that. And I was just vigilant as fuck uh. about everything when it came to his health and just observing him constantly and all like the little signs or symptoms or things. And I did have to leave work for a while. They They ended up letting me like pretty much create my own schedule and work from home. And then I eventually left altogether when my third child came along. It just became too much for me to like manage, you know, a sick child and a baby and stuff. So I left my job, but it was every day, you know, it was really an everyday thing for over three years. There was no day he didn't receive medicine, whether it was at home or in the hospital. We took tons of trips into New York City, lots of long days in the hospital. At the hospital, he was being treated Memorial Sloan Kettering, which is a wonderful cancer center. And yeah, it took, it was definitely like a full-time job. Was there any supports put in place? Like, I'm always curious when I talk to people who in the parenting, like, part of their life go through something major, whether it be like a very traumatic birth experience or, you know, a diagnosis. Was there any kind of support with regard to, like, speaking to a counselor or, like, a therapist or someone there to help you navigated and like someone to talk to, not necessarily like a medical doctor? Yeah, there are social services provided by the hospital for families. So if you choose to, you know, engage with your your social worker, they're there for you. We did not really do that. It was sort of like one more thing, you know? So... But I was really, I think my husband and I were very lucky. We really leaned on each other. We really like came together as a team throughout the whole process. We were really 
each other's support system in it. And yeah. we have great family, extended family and friends around as well. So do you guys live near extended family? We do. Yeah. Oh, okay, we nice. live in the same town as my husband's mom and brother and his wife and their kids and a couple of cousins and stuff. So my parents live a little further away, but it's a drive. Like they can get here pretty easily. So oh, that's nice. Yeah. What would your advice be for anyone listening that has a child that is going through an illness or just received a diagnosis? Yeah, I guess it would just be, you know, take everything one day at a time and not try to get too wrapped up thinking ahead about the future and what if and this and that. It's it's just a one day at a time thing and, and to feel good about like celebrating small wins, whether it's like you got your kid to take a medicine today that was been hard to get down or whatever, or they learned a new skill in an OT or a PT or something like that. You know, just like celebrate that stuff, feel good about those little things because you deserve to celebrate the wins. And how did you explain because he was so young how did you explain to him like did he understand what was going on and then even now as a 10 year old have you like gone back and kind of explained to him what he went through like what it was like what did that look like yeah I mean kids understand that stuff on a very basic level when they're little like that and they're just they live in the moment, you know, they're really like not focused on the angst surrounding their illness. And they're just, from what I see, like incredibly resilient and wonderful examples for adults, actually. Mm. And now as he as he grows up and gets older, the conversation shifts and changes and we can have like a little bit more of a sophisticated discussion around the gravity of cancer and the different types of cancer and what this means for person A versus person B and that kind of thing. And I and I anticipate that conversation to continue to take place and change as he gets older. So it's an ongoing thing. We talk about it a lot. We're also involved with a charity via the hospital that like is a great conversation starter, you know, annually of, you know, what's going on with cancer and what is cancer and what happened with Callum's cancer and all that. So Where in your motherhood journey did you start creating content online? I was prior to the pandemic. I started... Well, when I had when I started my page, it was really because I had just wanted to write a book because I was writing about Callum and our journey and like little anecdotal stories about what was going on with with him and with me really as a mom too. And I was just loving it. It was like very cathartic for me to just write. And then I found out that like it's much easier to write a book if you have a platform. Isn't that crazy nowadays? Like, yeah. I talk to people who have like 20 years experience with, you know, like incredible expertise, like PhDs and publishing houses are like, you need a following on social media to yeah. write a book. I'm like, what happened to the world? But yeah, I get it. There it is. And I mean, I, well, I have no other credentials, so a following might be. No, but that's perfect. That's, that's what we need today. Like, yeah. So I did that, and I just I started when I was actually pregnant with my third during like maybe a couple years into the treatment process with my son. So, and then I, you know, all of the content that I create was like never really based around that experience or about Callum and his cancer and the 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 darker parts. It was more about humor and lightness and how to laugh and get through the everyday stuff that is just really monotonous and difficult in its very own way. And so what has your experience been as a content creator? Like, are you loving it? Has your content changed like over the course of the last few years? What do you see yourself doing in the future? Have you written a book? (laughs) I have not written a book yet. I have lots of opportunities to write a book if I want to, but I'm actually at this point now, which is something that I I guess I didn't necessarily expect or plan on, but I'm very happy about. I would have wanted. It's just I'm busy. Like I've got all kinds of other irons on the fire right mm-hmm. now, which is cool. It's amazing to be able to do like creative, silly stuff and 
create an aud- audience around it and like also sprinkling in like real doses of honesty and rawness and and just a very serious side of me sometimes on my stories or sometimes I'll post something serious and to be able to like have that be my profession now is a pretty incredible thing. I feel different ways about social media on the whole, maybe, you know, how I feel about what that means for our society and all of us, but I'm trying to be a good light spot in that world. So what's your favorite part of creating content and your least favorite part? I can say hands down, my least favorite part is the anxiety that goes along with putting yourself out there all the time and being very vulnerable to a large group of people. And it's actually, I think it started off before like my following really grew as being self-conscious about being so vulnerable in front of people that you know. And Mm. now I feel a little bit more self-conscious sometimes about who I am within the, the world of what I'm doing in a creative way and what this means for me or what, you know, like I can do professionally and how I'm perceived and that kind of thing in the professional world of things that I'm doing. So there's a lot of insecurity and a lot of anxiety that can go along with making yourself like super vulnerable and putting yourself out there all the time. But I will say like 99 0.9% of the people are just so encouraging and wonderful and supportive in the community that it really motivates me to keep doing what I'm doing and sharing because I do like have a lot of fun just joking around, creating funny content, writing jokes, dancing in my kitchen and being able to like be very honest and real about the stuff that's hard. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Ah, hmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Do you ever feel pressure to do other kinds of content or do like more and more and more? Like that's one thing about this job that I find difficult is like I want to do everything. But mm-hmm. but then you're doing a million things like really shitty. You know what I mean? Like or mm-hmm. are you like easily focused on like this is what I do, this is what I talk about? I have a really hard time with that. I'm like I want to talk about periods and pooping and all the things like Travis and Taylor and like, you know what I mean? Like I cannot stay focused, which is why I split early on the two accounts, like my account and then the mom room podcast, because I was just like all over the place. And I, I don't know, like I see other creators like yourself who just like stay and they have like their niche, they do it so well. And I'm like, oh, why can't I do that? I don't know. I mean, I think like as my kids get older, my content does shift a little bit. Like, I mean, when I started, I had all babies and toddlers and and that was like fully the focus. Now I have a toddler still, but we're, you know, moving out of that sort of phase soon-ish. But kids like never stop providing good material to laugh about. So I think that like I find it pretty easy to keep coming up with like messages about motherhood. And you also, it's hard not to get like sucked in by like the algorithm and what you think social media wants from you as a creator and that kind of thing. Like I've always stayed away from using any of like the viral trends and the music and the stuff like that because I'm just trying to not be an influencer, Mm. (laughs) if that makes sense. So 
Do you not do partnerships with brands and stuff like that? I do some now. Yeah, I okay. have a, I have a few partnerships with brands now. It would be stupid for me not to do that stuff at this point. Like it's it because I've waited for so long to do any partnerships. Like now I'm at a place where it's really monetarily meaningful to partner with some brands. And I always get to like choose who I work with. And it's always a brand that I genuinely love. That's a great like way to make money for me. But in the long run, what I would like to be doing is like creating a business, like a media business and having content that I'm making outside of Instagram be what I get paid for, basically. So, Do you have a YouTube channel? I actually do, but it's not a thing that I'm really doing right now. So I'm I'm kind of shifting to do some more YouTube-y stuff. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I hear YouTube can be really lucrative actually. Yeah, and it's lucrative in a different way because your it's basically like TV like it's running commercials through your channel, so you're not partnering with brands per se, you know. Yeah, it's much easier to like passively earn income on someone else's advertisement rather than being like, yo, yeah. look at my Yeah. Name. Whatever. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, totally. So when you say like a media business, do you mean something like Betches? Like that kind of thing? Yes and no, because I'm not like a news source or I'm not going to be like a source of pop culture, but I just like I I recently just launched a magazine. So it's called Soul Snacks. Wow. It's an online magazine. It's just like kind of, I'm sort of modeling it like a everyday woman's goop, like I keep uh, saying this like no vagina candles or like $300 scrunchies, but like, I love it. You know, fun stuff that like is mindless for you to like read quickly or, you know. So, where do people go to get that? Is it like you sign up and it gets sent to your email or? So, it's not a newsletter. That would be like newsletter format, right? Because okay. like newsletters only live in your email, but it's so it's a website. Oh, okay. Yeah. Got it. And mm-hmm. then you started your podcast. And I have a podcast, yep, and my Instagram. And I, I have a TikTok page, apparently. I don't really go on TikTok that often, but I it's I there. do personally to like scroll it because it, it's great mindless entertainment. What do you find you spend most of your time working on or doing? Like what does your work week look like? Yeah, so many things now. Like, and then I was like, I was in a show recently, a digital web series that like I'm gearing up for a second season on that. And like, I have some other things that like I might write a show myself. Yeah. So I'm doing like, I'm actually trying, it's really hard to figure out what to really focus on, but like, I'm very focused on the magazine thing because I see the long-term benefit in that and what you can do with like a digital media source. And then, but really the bread and butter right now is still my Instagram page because that's where like the majority of my, my eyeballs are. It's so interesting how like so many of us do similar stuff, but like our goals and our focus can be like completely different. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I could tell, well, because we're both like, people are going to start like zoning out on this because they're going to be a lot to edit. (laughs) They're like, what the fuck are they talking about? No, I think it's great. (laughs) (laughs) But I could talk about like this with you for like hours and just like get into the nitty gritty of like content creator business stuff. Yeah. Okay. So I need to go to New York so that we can have a date because that's what was supposed to happen. Just so you guys know, I was supposed to go to New York and then I ended up having to cancel. And I forget, it's twice now that I've had a New York trip booked and I've had to cancel both. I'm so irritated, Mm. but we'll do it. Yeah. I need to go. It's such a quick flight for me. It's like, like an hour or something. My agents are actually from Toronto and they're getting into town today. Really? Yes. Canadian agents? Yes. Oh, I love this. Okay, I'm yeah. going to pick your brain about that later too. Yeah. Um, okay, back to children. People are like, what the fuck? I thought this was a mom podcast. <laughs> <laughs> what are your thoughts on kids being on social media? So I, I have, saw your post. Yes, I have that. really. The more I learned, do you follow Mom Uncharted? No. Okay, 
incredible account to follow. It's mom.uncharted. Okay. She talks all about like children being on social media, more so like the kinds of content creators that are literally every piece of content is just focused on their kids and like what that does like long-term and like the dangers of that and safety and so on and so forth. But the more I learn about stuff like that and also the the older Milo gets, I have really like, I will barely show him, like I'll show him like here and there, but I'm so mindful of it. Before it was just like, oh, he's doing something cute, like camera, like da 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 Like everything was, like I wanted to share with everyone. But the more that I, and I get it, like we're proud of our kids. It's cute. Like we love them so much. We're like, look, like, you know, it's the same as if I were to run a marathon, I would be like, everybody, like I ran a marathon, like I'm proud of myself. Like I, this is something that I love and I'm sharing it with everybody. But now, like it really struck me once I realized that there was a whole Reddit thread dedicated to like hating me and people basically watch my content and then go talk shit about it. What? And like, it's nuts. Yeah. That is so fucking weird. And who are those losers? On- yeah, there's literally, and they talk about all like parenting creators. It's oh, like a probably whole- Probably on there. <laughs> it's like an underground like thing. So once I realized that that was happening and people are literally watching my stories and then going to like talk shit about it, I, I was like, ew, like this feels gross. Like I don't want these mm. people seeing- my child, like, right, and he's getting older, and I don't know, it just doesn't feel like it did before. What are your feelings on having our kids on social media? And, like, how do you navigate that? In terms of showing my own children on social media, they don't appear on my page very often. It's few and far between. It's really just me on mm-hmm. there. I've never wanted it to be about, like, them necessarily. It's about motherhood, you know. Has your husband ever been on? Not really. Like a flash here and there, a picture, you know, he's he's like, I think I'm just going to be over here, Um, (laughs) which is totally fine. You know, I think it's like not the type of content that I've ever focused on trying. And and for that reason, being mindful of like, how are my kids going to feel about this in the future if they've been, you know, like, the subject of my content and they are the subject of a lot of my, I mean, children, like what it's like raising kids, but they know what I do and that I show them a lot of like my reels that I make and let them listen to it. And a lot of the making fun of the kids that I do is about the toddlers and they think that that is funny as well because they're older now. Not Lukey, he doesn't get it, but it's like jokes on you, Loki. <laughs> um, but in terms of like them being on social media, is that other? Is that what you're talking about, or just about showing? Showing them, but that was going to be my next question. I worry about this in Milo's five, and you have a ten year old. So, do you anticipate him asking to be on social media in the next, you know, three to five years? Maybe he has zero interest in that right now. He doesn't have a phone, so. It would be more my daughter who I would think that will be like the one who pushes for social media more. I feel like it is a difficult place for, you know, it's a difficult place for adults. You know, you can, it picks apart people's insecurities and and they, who's doing this and why am I not included? And it, it shows you where everybody is. And then in the same breath, I'm like, that is part of life also like social media and the internet and all of these things are actually like just part of the world that we live in now too. So I'm conscious of being like not super resistant, but like super realistic about what social media should be used for and shouldn't be used for and when to turn it off and turn away from it and that kind of thing. Yeah. I see like my, you know, like I have nieces who are in their teens and they use it and they use it in a cute way, whether or not it causes them anxiety. But then I'm like, everything causes you anxiety at that age. Like, I know. I feel like a huge piece of it is like you were saying, like the education about it. And not just like throwing your kid a phone and being like, there you go. 
and yeah. figure it out. But constantly keeping the conversation open, you mm-hmm. know, like monitoring, having boundaries. It's just, it's, it's Making weird. Making sure like, their account is private. Like We didn't grow up with this. So now us as parents with kids who are going to want social media, it's kind of like, ooh, like, yeah, I never it's had It's a scary that. world to navigate. I'm actually also kind of hoping that like the nature of social media starts to shift more by the time my kids are teens. Yes. I think it's just like, you know, one of those things you get into so much trouble too with photos and things that you're doing that might be against school rules or whatever. Yeah. So I don't know. I think things will shift in social media. I am hoping. Okay, my last question was going to be, what are your plans for the future? But you already kind of shared that with us. Is there anything else that you want to... No, I mean, it's one of those things like with being on social media and this being like a real full-time job for me now and everything, I feel like I... I've One of the things like I feel like women don't do is like talk about wanting success and that kind of thing and talking about wanting to monetize and make money and be like a big deal in a space or whatever you're doing, right? Mm-hmm. And I just think that it's nice to be in a place where I've accomplished some like goals that I had, whether or not like it's exactly what I set out to do when I started, it's definitely exceeded my expectations. So, and just to like try to, you know, stick to your foundations and also remember exactly who you are and what's important when you are in this kind of space of sharing and being more public. Yeah, for sure. Do you get recognized a lot? I do now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm like a, you know, like a Z-list celebrity type thing, but like you'll go to a restaurant and like, or in a store or something and people will be like, oh, you're a big time adult thing. Yeah. And I'm like, I am. I am. Hi. Nice to meet you. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I love that. Okay. Well, tell everybody where they can find you, where we can read your online magazine and where they can find your podcast, what it's called, all that good stuff. Yeah. My podcast is called Big Time Adulting. My page is called Big Time Adulting. And my magazine is called Soul Snacks. I love it. And what's the, the name of the digital show that you were on? It was called Blunt. Blunt. Okay. Where can, where can we watch that? You can watch it on Instagram at oh, Blunt nice. Digital Series. Yeah. It's on YouTube as cool. well. So you're like yeah. acting in it? Yeah. Oh my God. That's so cool. Okay. I love that. Awesome. It was a fun project. Yeah. Well, thank yeah. you so much for coming on the podcast. I'm going to go do Caitlin's podcast now. So obviously listen to both episodes because we're great. So thank Amazing. you. Amazing. <laughs> All right. I'll see you in the next Riverside Room. Yeah. See ya. Bye.